Let me just pray, and then I want to get into uh, the next talk in this series that we're doing. So, Holy Spirit, we we just love you being with us. (laughs) And uh, we just love it when you come amongst us. We love it when you surprise us. And that you do things, Lord, that we've hardly even asked you to do. You just turn up and you heal people. You set us free and you change our lives just with encounter. And Lord, we just want to invite you. Come, spirit of love, just come and be amongst us. Come and have your way. Beautiful dove, just rest on us uh, as we hear your word today in Jesus' name. Rest on me as I bring it, Lord. I just want to ask you an anointing for freedom that you come amongst us right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're going through this series, What Do Do What Disciples Do? That's what we're talking about. So are you? Do what disciples do. Are you? <laughs> we're building out the missional foundation of the church. And I just want to sum up uh, what's going on, what we've been talking about. We're, we're to go everywhere, preaching the gospel, healing the sick and setting people free. We're to give away what we have been given. Freely you receive, freely give. To go in authority. What, me? That was last week. Yes, you. (laughs) Go in authority. Uh, Jesus sent us out permanently as his disciples with authority and power. So we're going to look at power today. To do these things, we're going to need both if we're going to do all that Jesus told us to do in making disciples of all nations. And if authority is about identity, power is about the Holy Spirit. We need a baptism of the Holy Spirit and power to do what Jesus has called us to do. And there's no doubt about it, you know, that the world is crying out for disciples who know how to be powerful. (laughs) I'll just say that to this this team up. (laughs) The world is crying out for disciples who know how to be powerful. See, that's what you need to do. Um, There is such a hunger for authentic demonstrations of power. You know, that's why people go to faith healers. That's why people go to mediums and fortune tellers. They go to the counterfeit because the authentic is so often lacking in the church. And I'm so indignant about this. It shouldn't be. We have got truth. We can bring prophetic words that are truth and not lies. Truth that sets people free rather than binds people up. We can give real hope for the future as we prophesy over people. And when we pray for people, we don't leave stuff in them that then needs to be dealt with later. We can bring real healing and freedom. A few years ago, my friend Julian was speaking at a church, and after the meeting, some unbelievers came to speak to him. They'd been watching him as he'd been prophesying and speaking and so on. And they said, could you say some things about us and our lives? And so he began to prophesy over them with incredible accuracy. And as he did so, he realized that they thought that this was just another psychic sideshow. And they suddenly thought, oh my goodness, I need to explain what's going on here. And it's because they'd never seen Christians speak and act like this with such power and authority. These things shouldn't be, beloved. They shouldn't be. Uh, You know, there are many people in the church who have authority. And they gain it from position, they gain it from experience, but they have no power. Uh, Where there is no power, where there's no supernatural element to what we do, what we have is religion. We don't have Christianity. 
Uh, Paul tells us to avoid people like that. (laughs) He does. That's what he says. Avoid people that have a form of godliness but deny its power. Avoid them. Don't be part of that. Don't be part of a church like that. You know, a powerless gospel is false. It's a false gospel. Christian, well, they need to know what it is to be continually full of the Holy Spirit. So I've only got one message for you today. Do you have any power? Do you have power? Jesus sent out his disciples with authority and power. Power that is visible and demonstrable. You can't always see authority because it's in the hidden person of the heart. It's in their identity. But you can see power. Because things happen around power. And Jesus gave us power to change the world. That's a bold claim, isn't it? That's what Jesus said. Go and change the world. Make disciples of all nations. Jesus ascended to heaven, leaving us with a gift of power that we all need. Have you got it? This was Jesus' final command to his disciples in Acts 1, where he says, go and wait for it. Go and wait for what? Go and wait for power to come. Let's just read that, just in case you think I'm making it up. (laughs) Acts chapter 1, and we're just going to jump in on verse 4 there. It says on one occasion that they were eating together and Jesus gave them this command. Don't leave Jerusalem. Hold on a minute, Jesus. You've just commanded us to go to the ends of the earth. It was in the previous chapter. No, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised of which you've heard me speak. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He says, that's none of your business. (laughs) But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and into the ends of the earth. Power. You will receive power, and you will be my witnesses What of? Of power. And we all need a gift of power. Jesus says, go and wait for it. Don't leave home without power. Uh, Or as Luke puts it in chapter 24, 49, stay in the city until you've got your clothes on. (laughs) Until you've been clothed with power from on high. Don't rush out in the morning until you're dressed in power. We need to be reminded of this every day. Every day as you wake up in the morning, as you get dressed in the morning, you need to be clothed with power. As you go out of the door, don't just put your hat and coat on. Well, we don't do that anymore. But don't just put your coat on. Clothe yourself with power. Consciously step in to the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't try to live a powerless Christian life. You can't, actually. It's impossible. Every believer needs to know the power of the Holy Spirit as much as we need to get dressed in the morning. Because the Christian life runs on power. The same power that lived in Jesus and raised him from the dead. That power, clothed in power. The gift Jesus talked about here was a permanent dispensation of power. It wasn't just a temporary thing. It was a permanent dispensation to live victoriously And to carry on the work that Jesus began. And also to do the greater things that he promised we'd do. Whatever that might be. Greater than what Jesus has done. The greater things. It's all about power. So have you got any power? 
Have you got any power? Imminent power to live the Christian life. Explosive power. It's that word dunamos, dynamite. Explosive power to overcome. Miraculous power to heal the sick and to cast out demons. Or do you feel powerless? (laughs) You know, often we do. We don't always live with the sensation of power. I'm not even sure we could handle that. But that doesn't mean that we don't have any power. Actually, we often feel our weakness and our inadequacies, anybody. (laughs) But this is designed to keep us dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit and not on our own abilities. We walk in weakness, but we take and clothe ourselves in his power, in his abilities. So often we can easily get into, I do it of my own strength. But this isn't, what that, this isn't what it's about. It's about living with that sense of connection to the Father and the Holy Spirit's power working through us, partnering with us. So as Paul says, the power of God is made perfect in our weakness. <laughs> it's made perfect in our weakness. So if you don't declare weakness, if you don't declare need, then the power of God cannot manifest in your life perfectly. Because Paul goes on to say that when the conclusion he came to is that must mean then that when I'm weak, I am strong. If you're a spirit-filled believer today, then when you're weak, you're strong. That's when the power can come. How many people have found that some of the greatest things have happened when you've felt the least qualified? <laughs> the biggest prayers have been answered when you felt the furthest away from a, a prophetic existence, never mind a relationship with God. Some of the greatest miracles I've ever seen have been when I've been exhausted and I've not wanted to pray for anybody. What is that about? Well, when you're weak, you're strong. And sometimes it's because power doesn't look or sound like what we think it should. (laughs) We we don't understand what power is going to look like. So Jesus says here, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria. Now, I wonder what would have been in their minds when they thought about power in the context of going into all the world. What would they have thought about? What could they have imagined? Oh, my goodness, whole cities, people just falling down and declaring. What would they have imagined when they thought of power when it was to do with the mission? And so what happens on the day of Pentecost? They speak in tongues. That's the demonstration of power to all the nations. That was the first manifestation of power that they experienced in reaching the ends of the earth was multiple languages that they'd never learned. Some people understood it and other people said, you guys are out of your minds. That was the demonstration. I wonder if that's what they had imagined when Jesus says, you're going to go out with power. Actually, you're going to speak in multiple languages, and some are going to think you're crazy, and some are going to think, wow, I understand the revelation of God spoken in my own language. Who would have expected tongues as the first demonstration of power? Often it still is. (laughs) Often it still is. That's why so many people, when they first get filled with the Spirit, they speak in tongues. It's the first demonstration of power. But not feeling power is no excuse for powerlessness. (laughs) You know, if you have the Holy Spirit, there's no excuse. Often power, you see, it, it comes in ways that we don't expect. The power comes in searches of love for people that are hard to love. That's power. You know that, don't you? That's you being powerful. 
doing it by his spirit, or power comes in acts of service inspired by compassion. One of the quickest ways into the supernatural, as we see from the example of Jesus, is the times when he was moved with compassion. Compassion leading to action. Or the power that's unlocked in someone's life when they're finally able to forgive somebody. I've seen that time and time again. You lead people through steps of freedom and it comes to forgiveness and you've got to forgive so-and-so and their mouth won't open. It won't work anymore. And the battle for just saying, I forgive you, is huge. But then the moment when they step into forgiveness and you see the freedom that comes on them, the power that is released, that's power right there. What does power look like? That's some of the questions that we need to answer. But we need power for all these things. We can't be disciples of Jesus. In fact, we shouldn't try to be without power. Otherwise, what are we bringing people to? Now, if believers have no personal experience of power, the church, when it comes together, has no power. Because the church is made up of those believers. If we don't come together with the sense of the fullness of the Holy Spirit, then it's not there in the gathering. If we have no power, what do we have to offer? Dead religion. A set of rules that are impossible to follow. We can only give, though, what we've received. And what we have freely received, we must then give. So do you have any power? We need power. We Now, maybe some of you have just got a little bit squeamish about this. We can do and get a little bit, oh, he's talking all about power. I'm not sure if I like the idea of that very much. I'm just such a nice person and so quiet and gentle. But Jesus' promise of power was not a new idea. Partly because he'd all... He'd already talked about it, and the disciples understood what he was talking about, and he'd modeled it, but also throughout the Old Testament. You know, as good Jews, the disciples would have known the stories about the coming of the Spirit and the effect it had on somebody. So, for example, Gideon was transformed by the power of God from the weakest clan member, the least in his family, to a mighty man of valor who defeated the enemy. Samson slew a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. <sighs> when the Spirit of God came upon him. Have you slewn any enemies with a jawbone yet? I've not done that one. Or David, when he played the harp, the Spirit came on him to such an extent that demons fled from the king. Or Moses laid his hands on Joshua, on the Lord's instructions, so that the Spirit of power was imparted to him for leadership. Time after time, we see these instances where the power of God is demonstrated. So when Jesus says, you will receive God's power, they understood. They had some sense of what that would mean. He's talking about miraculous power. The coming of the Spirit, the disciples knew, meant that ordinary people, any ordinary people here, one or two, not many, Ordinary people were transformed to do extraordinary things. So is that what you have? Is that what you want? The disciples did, and it was what they expected, but it is also what they had seen in Jesus. Jesus himself, you see, was empowered by the coming of the Holy Spirit at his baptism. 
Jesus, the Son of God, didn't do anything. There were no demonstrations of power until the Holy Spirit came upon him. So why should it be any different for us? Because Jesus, in Jesus we have the perfect example of a spirit-filled human being. Remember how Luke summed up Jesus' ministry in Acts 10. He says that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And this is what he did. He went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. That's what a spirit-filled Christian looks like. I don't believe that Jesus came all the way from heaven, suffered and died to rise again and send the Holy Spirit for the sake of a powerless church, a powerless people. Which is why when the day of Pentecost finally came, the Holy Spirit was poured out and it was all about power. Just look in Acts chapter 2, just for a minute. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. I love this picture. I know if you've been around the church any length of time, I'm always talking about this picture because it just captures me. It just captures me in in, in an amazing way. This group of believers all together, united in heart and purpose, and suddenly there's this roaring, violent wind, and, and the heavens are irrevocably ripped open, and the Holy Spirit is poured out in fire. It splits, and it falls upon each of them, baptizing them instantaneously with the Holy Spirit and power, and they begin to speak in these other languages. And I I find myself going back to this picture over and over again, saying, what was that like? You know, we've been in some meetings. You know, I've experienced some meetings over the years, but we've seen examples many times. They'd never seen anything like this before. What must it have been like? The same power that they had seen in Jesus was now in them, not just upon them, not just in the air around them, not just in the atmosphere that Jesus walked in, but deeply inside of them, inhabiting them. And this this inhabiting meant that words began to spill out in ecstatic praise. The Holy Spirit just bursting out of their hearts, coming in, and then bursting out in ecstatic praise in languages they'd never learnt. Wow. What must that have been like? And not only that, as the Spirit burst out of them in ecstatic praise, somehow it burst them out of the upper room where they had been uh, uh, locked up for fear of the Jews, it said. Locked up, and suddenly the doors are burst open. They're out on the street declaring the praises of God. Now that's power. When they felt so powerless, when they were so inhibited, when they were so frightened. Oh, don't we need that power? Don't we need something that causes the Holy Spirit to spill out? We sing that song, break our walls down. That's what he did at Pentecost. And he's still doing it today. You cannot stay behind the locked walls of the church when the Holy Spirit lives within you. 
it spills out. They become the unavoidable. He says, you will be witnesses. They can't help but be witnesses. They become the unavoidable witnesses, the visible demonstrations of power to all who heard and saw them. Actually, what Luke tells us is that what they experienced on that first occasion was a baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. We've had that word twice today. Isn't that interesting? We've had it prophetically, fire. And this confirms what John the Baptist said, that the baptism would be that Jesus would baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. Uh, And there was fire on that first Pentecost. Fire. This is... This is the manifest presence of God in power. That's what fire is. That's what it represents in Scripture. So that when you see God's fire, we've got to then look and see what he's done. Because something is happening. His power, his abilities, his supernatural abilities are now being manifest on earth. So something's just shifted. Something's just changed in that moment. And you know, from when you look at the, uh, the, the disciples before and after Pentecost, they're completely different people completely transformed because fire had gone through the place. And you can't have fire go through the place and things don't change dramatically. You get in this. You cannot have fire without change. And some of us need to change. You need fire. Have you got fire? (laughs) We need the Holy Spirit and fire. So what is that like? <laughs> I had a whole other half of this talk, and I, the, the Holy Spirit just said to me, I don't want you to do it. I want you to just talk about this, because we're going to pray in a bit. I want to tell you a couple of stories, and then we're just going to pray that God will send his fire. So are you, is that okay with you? Yeah. Yeah, I'm shortchanging you a bit, you know, all the rest of my amazing sermon. I'm not going to preach. <laughs> Maybe another time. But look, what is it like, this baptism, this baptism of the spirit and fire? Well, it can be a very different experience for each of us. And, and uh, do you know, one of the things I've learned about God is that he knows us incredibly well. And sometimes he gives us what fits with us. Sometimes he doesn't. He completely surprises us. But often he comes in such a way that we can understand personally. I remember the first time... For me, when I received the Holy Spirit, what it was was peace. That's what I got. When the Holy Spirit came and filled me, it was peace, overwhelming peace. It was powerful and life-changing peace. And that's what I needed. I was a fearful person. I was riddled with anxiety. But for the first time when the Holy Spirit filled me, I felt peace on the inside of me. You know, the peace of his presence that I'd felt around me in my home, perhaps where, where I was raised or in the church that I'd experienced and I'd seen that peace, the peace that we have here, was never inside me until the Holy Spirit came inside. I said, Holy Spirit, come and fill me. I need peace. I didn't even know I needed peace, but he knew I did. And I know now it's a sign to me if I'm not in peace, it's because I'm not walking closely with the Father. To get back into peace. But there have been other baptisms. You know there's more than one baptism, don't you? Thank you. You know there's more than one baptism. There are baptisms. And uh, there's baptisms of fire. 
and power for different things and different occasions and different needs. It says that the, the, the uh, yet again after Pentecost, we see the disciples locked up for fear because there started to be persecution. So they, they, they prayed and they said, Lord, see their threats. Now, Lord, come again. And they, it says that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit again and with courage. Boldness came upon them. There are multiple baptisms, encounters of fire and, and the Holy Spirit. There's a time when the power of God impacted me to such an extent that when hands were laid on me, I was thrown across the room like I'd just been electrocuted. That had never happened before. And from that moment, that was around about 8 o'clock in the evening, until 4 a.m. the next morning, I had surges, waves of power pulsating through me, and I had to drive home somehow in the middle of all that. And I had these flashes of light all around me, the power of God just impacting me, and like high-speed images, I felt like a download. And that was the beginning of my call as a prophet. That was the beginning of that calling. I've never quite recovered from that one. But there have been many baptisms. Even this week I was in a meeting where the weight of his glory just came and sat on me. And it's like his his presence. Sorry if you're not used to this kind of thing, but it was like the, the weight of his presence was so tangible to me. It's like it pressed into me. It's like I was being molded into his presence. And I couldn't get up. Everybody else, stand up if you want to receive. I can't. His presence just came and rested on me, and I felt his presence just pushing into me. Wow. I was just, I just sat there long after the meeting, just waited on the spot. I needed that. I just needed him to touch me. Do you need a touch? You just need him to touch you. Even while I'm speaking, it can happen. He can just touch you. But it's not just me, you know. There are many stories. And I just felt as I was preparing, and this is when I cut my talk, because I just wanted to read this to you. I've been reading Charles Finney, always a dangerous thing to do. Um... Charles Finney was uh, an amazing revivalist in the 19th century. He saw a move of God in America particularly, but it affected the whole world. But it all started after he received a baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I want to read to you what happened to him, because I believe that there are some baptisms of power and fire for people here today. Okay, so I'll just read this to you. He says, that I, I was just about to take a seat by the fire in the lounge, when I received a mighty baptism of the Holy Ghost. I wasn't expecting it, hadn't even thought about it in my mind that there was such a thing for me, without any recollection that I'd even heard the thing mentioned by any person in the world. At a moment entirely unexpected by me, the Holy Spirit depended on me, uh, descended on me in a manner that seemed to go right through me, body and soul. I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through and through me. Indeed, it seemed to come in waves and waves of liquid love, for I could not express it in any other way. And yet, it didn't seem like water, but rather as the breath of God. 
I can recollect distinctly that it seemed to fan me like immense wings. And it seemed to me, as these waves passed over me, that they literally moved my hair like a passing breeze. No words can express the wonderful love that was shed abroad in my heart. It seemed to me that I should burst. I wept aloud with joy and love. And I don't know, but I should say, I literally bellowed out the unutterable gushings of my heart. These waves came over me and over me and over me, one after the other after the other, until I recollect I cried out, I shall die if these waves continue to pass over me. I said, Lord, I cannot bear any more. And yet I had no fear of death. How long I continued in this state, I do not know. But it was late in the evening when a member of my choir, for I was a leader of the choir, came into the office to see me. And he was a member of the church. And he found me in this state of loud weeping and said, Mr. Finney, what ails you? I could make him no answer for some time. He then said, are you in pain? I gathered myself up as best as I could and said, no, but so happy that I cannot live. He turned and he left the office and in a few minutes returned with one of the elders of the church. A very serious man. And in my presence, he'd been very watchful and I'd scarcely ever seen him laugh. When he came in, I was very much in the state in which I was when the young man went out to call him. And he asked me how I felt, and I began to tell him. And instead of saying anything, he fell into a most spasmodic laugh. (laughs) It seemed as if it was impossible for him to keep from laughing from the very bottom of his heart. It seemed to be a spasm that was irresistible. Wow. You know, when the Spirit comes, he comes with fire. It comes in power, and it involves the activity of God. There's a confrontation. There's a power encounter that changes us forever, and we need this. We need this. Have you had it? I don't mean just once, but time and time again, because there are many baptisms of fire and power. And we don't have to go and wait any longer. I read that to you. Jesus said to his disciples, go and wait. We don't have to because Jesus has now been glorified. (laughs) We don't have to wait because as Peter says on the day of Pentecost that Jesus having died and risen from the dead is now exalted at the right hand of God. The only thing that has prevented the Holy Spirit from being poured out has now happened. He is reigning seated at the right hand of God. That's where we are today. This is the time we live in, and so we don't need to wait. All we have to do is ask, because Jesus says that everyone who asks receives. Just say that, everyone. Everyone who asks receives. Is there any everyone's here? Everyone who asks receives, and you also have to receive. You can ask, but you also have to receive. And it's just an observation I've had that that people are good at asking, but not so good at receiving. And, and they'll strain to try for something, to, to experience something. It's just a little tip, if you like, of how to receive from God. Um, 
we, we see the thing is, is that we become passive, waiting for something to happen. Is almost a kind of, okay, impress me then, God. I'm sorry, I'm just saying it. I've just seen it time and time again. I'm not even going to move. I'm not going to do anything unless I get this thing, this feeling. And sometimes it does happen like that. God is so gracious that he'll just come and get you. Sometimes he will just come and get you. You know, you're not expecting it like Finney was talking about. Um, But more often than not, it's that we need to cooperate with him in receiving. Some of you haven't received, even though you've asked, because you've not cooperated with him in receiving. So how do we cooperate? Well, do you know how to drink? <laughs> because Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And then out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. We need to cooperate with him. We need to drink. We need to thank him for what we're experiencing and ask him for more. Thank you, Lord. Can I have some more now? I often say that to people. You can have as much as you ask for. Amen. The only qualification to receive the gift is thirst. A sense of I need it, I, I long for it, I desire it, I depend upon it. So Jesus says, Come and drink. And if we're going to be all, if we're going to do all that Jesus' disciples are commanded to do, then we're going to need some power. So have you got any? Authority comes from identity, power from the Holy Spirit. So have you got the Holy Spirit? Do you know him? Have you been filled with the Spirit and power? Do you need to be refilled? You know, sometimes we get filled, but we get blocked. Stuff gets in. Unforgiveness, bitterness, disappointment. We get blocked up. You need to be refilled. Let's just ask God to unblock some things. And sometimes people get filled with the Spirit, but they've never had fire. I don't even know how that works. It's just experiential. We have his presence, but we don't have his power. And some of you need a baptism in the fire of the Holy Spirit today. Do you want it? Because I don't want to leave it there. You know, uh, you may have heard this message before or versions of this message and have been filled many times perhaps, but you've had no experience of power. And I believe that God has that for some of us today. So that's the invitation. I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come in. You have got to cooperate with him. I can't do this for you. I wish I could. Wouldn't that be so cool? But just where you are, right now, just express to him, Lord, I'm thirsty. I, I want that. Just start to speak to him and say, Lord, I want the Holy Spirit in me. I want to know the power of the Holy Spirit. And you might want to say there's some things I don't want anymore. They can go. <laughs> I don't want miserable, religious. I don't want any of those things. I, I can't keep the rules. All of those things. I don't want that, Lord. I just want you. I want a relationship with the Holy Spirit because that's what it goes on to. It goes on to developing a relationship with him. You know, even as I'm talking, some of you are just going to get the Holy Spirit right now. 
don't wait until I finish talking. Just receive from him. Just say, Lord, I want you in my life. I want your presence in the name of Jesus. Anyone who asks will receive. And don't just be happy with the outskirts. Ask for more. I feel the touch. I want more, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.